geeks of the industry. Six twenty-eight, Tremont. Six two eight, three dead. No, it's the usual. No fuck, usual. It's no big deal these days, right? Some guy. What's his name? I don't know. Ah, who knows his name? Who cares? Fucking shoots his wife and kid, and then eats the fucking licorice. Sticks it in his mouth and blows his own brains out. He's got no ID, no fucking papers. Probably squirreled over the goddamn border. Hey guys. Channel 10 News. Listen, uh, you're kind of blocking our shot. Can I get you to move forward a bit? Yeah, sure. Thanks. You ready? Yeah, almost. Two minutes. Just grab some more B-roll. Can't get close enough for an Emmy. <laughs> Screw the Emmy. Settle for a fucking paycheck. Story of my life. We downloaded this video off the net sometime over the last three days. I can't remember exactly when. For this guy. Look at this fucking guy. Chowing down while his buddies are shoving a corpse in the back of the van. Okay, wait, I'm ready. Wait. Let's do it. Some of this footage was never broadcast. Oh, that's right. It was secretly uploaded by the cameraman who shot it. It was his way of trying to tell the truth about what was happening. Bree Reno reporting live from Homestead, where tragedy befell an immigrant family. An unidentified man has shot his wife and 16-year-old son to death before turning the gun on himself. Jesus. What? I don't believe this. What? Is there something with the camera? Just fix it. She's still moving. Oh, for Christ's sake, Brody. I'm right in the middle of a what? What? Jesus fucking Christ. For God's sake. I thought they were dead. They're supposed to be. They are. I don't know. She's moving on the freaking gurney, man. Get out of the way. Come on, get out of the way. Get off here. Are you all right? Jesus. What the fuck is that? Just keep still. The other one's moving. I'm Mike Deneau. Now, for those of you just tuning in, we will be remaining live on the air for the remainder of this crisis. As we reported earlier, there have been widespread attacks all over the city by what are described as bloody corpses in a trance-like state. Now, whatever is happening, it does not appear to be a local phenomenon. We've been informed that similar reports are coming in from other cities all over the country. We still have no specific answer as to why this is happening. Reports are ranging from a germ or virus with a mind-altering effect or some sort of chemical spill or a behavioral disorder and mass hysteria. All roads and freeways are jammed with people trying to get out of the city. Now the governor has issued this statement. All people are urged to stay in their homes and lock their doors until the situation is contained. They're still here. They're after us. They know we're still in here. They're after the place. They don't know why they 
Just remember. Remember that they want to be in here. What the hell are they? They're us, that's all. There's no more room in hell. What? Something my granddaddy used to tell us. You know Mukumbo? Fudu. Granddad was a priest in Trinidad. He used to tell us, when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. Every dead body that is not exterminated becomes one of them. It gets up and kills. The people it kills get up and kill. stronger than us, or some high thing, maybe stronger than you. Well, you used to really be scared here. Johnny! You're still afraid. Stop it now, I mean it! They're coming to get you, Barbara. Greetings, fellow insomniacs, and welcome to another episode of the Creature Features Podcast on geeksoftheindustry.com. I'm your host, my name is Chunky Larry, and following the release of the massive Land of the Dead, renowned godfather of the genre, George Romero, moved towards a minimalistic approach to the zombie film with a scathing look at the obsessive wave of social media documentation and a cultural obsession for information. The result was a haunting look at the end of the world through the lens of its content-consumed creators. And on February 15, 2008, George A. Romero's Diary of the Dead was released, daring audiences not to look away. Hi, my name is Jason Creed. I have been given the opportunity to be able to document the events that have suddenly landed in my lap. Jason always wanted to be a documentary filmmaker. Come on, everybody, when it comes to you, say your name. This is ridiculous. Hey, I'm just trying to make a movie here. That's what he was shooting on that first night. The night when everything changed. None of us know exactly what has caused the chaos. Most people have fled for their lives. Some sort of Armageddon. Two news agencies are reporting accounts of the dead returning to life. Jay, I want to get out of here. I want to go home. Are you still shooting? What are you shooting? I don't know. I just... If this turns out to be a big thing, I just want to record it, okay? Yeah, there's an army of them. From now on, everyone who dies is going to come back. I think it's time we left this place. There's nobody in here. I don't see anything. There were 
there's a dead guy walking around. Now let's go. Shoot him in the head. Hey, run, run, Tracy. All that's left is to record what's happening for whoever remains when it's over. George A. Romero's Diary of the Dead. If it's not on camera, it's like it never happened, right? In this episode of the show, I can't say this week because this is probably the second. I, I, I do these ahead of time, so I'm never sure where they actually land. But in this episode of the show, we are going to be continuing the theme of Mode of the Dead. Uh, maybe I'll put a... I probably won't. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we're, we're doing one that... I, it's, it's kind of a ritual... And, and this is, this is something that we've been doing kind of since we started the theme of May of the Dead is, uh, you know, if you're going to cover zombie films, you have to cover one of the godfather of the zombie films. Uh, and I'm talking, of course, about the great George Romero, but, uh, we're getting close to the end of the zombie films of George Romero and... Uh, you know, the the closer that I get to the end, uh, the more I'm reminded that he's not with us anymore. And um, fuck, why did I why did I do that? Oh God, I don't know. Um, but uh, boy, uh, you know, the first year of May of the Dead, we covered Night, Dawn, and Day, and. You know, I obviously assumed that he was going to be around forever, um, and that we were going to get more, uh, but this is where we are. Uh, we covered land last year, and uh, so that, you know, leads us kind of seamlessly into the second chapter of his uh, second trilogy of the dead, and I'm talking, of course, about land of the dead, and... Uh, Going along with me on this conversation is a Diary. person. Uh, did I say Land of the Dead twice? Yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, we are going to be talking about Diary of the Dead. I, I, yes, I said it twice. However, uh, you heard the the preamble before this. Unless again, you skipped past that, which is just really weird to me. The people that do that. Uh, we will be talking about Diary of the Dead, not Document of the Dead. Uh, that is the documentary on the making of Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> so I don't think you want to see that. But we will be discussing, uh, as I had mentioned, the second part of his second trilogy. And um, to have this conversation, I brought along somebody that really means a lot to me, uh, is a constant co-host and forever friend. The lovely and vivacious Miss Reanimator. How you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you? I I was better until I brought up George Romero. Oh my god! Um, it breaks my heart. It, oh, I cried so hard. 
it's weird because you know um, I, I feel like I talked about it a little bit I, I don't feel it was necessarily necessary to talk about on the show um, you know I obviously in the Horror Hall of Fame I created an award that is the Romero Award and essentially I equate that to being like a lifetime achievement award obviously the first recipient of the Romero Award is George Romero himself mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's it's fucking heartbreaking and it's you, you know one of the weird things about tragedy is you're able to <clears throat> put enough distance between yourself and I don't I guess tragedy is an overstatement because we all on a long enough timeline eventually pass on and you know the, the yeah. legacy that he was able to leave behind you know five decades uh, six almost of you know quality entertainment uh, you know Dawn of the Dead or not Dawn of the Dead Night of the Living Dead is celebrating its 50th anniversary is it really? this year yeah oh um, goodness so and he had worked on like Mr. Rogers Neighborhood before that uh, so he worked for a very long time within the industry and um was just uh, an important fixture in in entertainment and you know the thing that he's most recognized for is the zombie films that he did uh, more notably so with the original trilogy of Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead uh, they're not necessarily any kind of correlation between any of the films that he does you know, there there are things that people look for to try to tie them together, but they aren't necessarily, you know, sequels to each other. They're yeah. just uh, tonally and um, you know, subject based uh, sequels. They they all operate within the apocalyptic world of uh, zombies rising from the grave. You know, and they were flesh-eating ghouls in the first film, and you know, uh, they didn't really even equate them to being zombies when they were making Night of the Living Dead. And Dawn of the Dead, you know, had the luxury of you know Night of the Living Dead being as popular as it was, uh, but you know, he he did. He, it seemed like he was doing one for each decade, and you know he. He didn't do anything in the 90s, but uh, post 9-11, you know, he was able to re-enter the world, and it seemed like more now, or more at that time than ever, uh, was it necessary, and you know, you had things like 28 Days Later, and the Dawn of the Dead remake, uh, Resident Evil, and all of these things that were really, you know, because he initially was going to do the Resident Evil film. He did commercials for Resident Evil, I think Resident Evil 2. He um, did? Yeah. And, Aww. you know, I, I would have... I uh, <laughs> Whoever made the decision to not get George Romero to do Resident Evil is a fool. Um, I missed the boat. That is, it's my, it is, it's, it is my favorite video game franchise. 
and it's, and to it's have Romero clear, on it. Oh, but it's clearly an homage to Dawn of the Dead. Like, yeah. it's a clear homage. Yeah. And you know, I, I just think that you know they really missed the boat on having somebody of his caliber do the film, and they instead went with, I think, Paul W.S. Anderson, and it became what it became, and, um, you know, but that's that's neither here nor there, you know, uh, he returned to the zombie genre with Land of the Dead, we covered that last year, I, I feel like I was relatively kind to it, even though it's not really one of my favorites of his films. Um, it's still fun though, it, and I liked the idea its of it. And I love Ozzy Argento, and you know, it, it does talk about you know the separation of class, and you know, uh, really taps into that one percent mindset. You know, mm-hmm. and and that's that's one of the things about Romero is he always when he when he did these zombie films and and pretty much all of his films. They were always allegorical to something much bigger than yes, just Yes, he always being... had some sort of social commentary with it. And, you know, that's that's one of the things you don't really get with a lot of filmmakers, but he always had kind of a motive behind the things he was doing. And, um, you know, with this film, more so than, I think, any of the other films, um... Uh, he really tapped into something that he I I, I almost felt and I remember um, when this this film was being produced and you know they were working on it I you know it was in the MySpace days it was it was mm. right like right before you know Facebook pretty much took over this was released in 2007 uh, Facebook was a thing, but the majority yep. of the populace was on MySpace still with their fucking uh, profile song when you clicked on it and their their fucking fancy wallpapers and all this bullshit that, you know. My son was born in 2007. I remember making him his own MySpace so my parents could um, see what he was, was doing. My son was born in 2008 and I did the exact same thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, uh, but I, I vividly remember watching on MySpace uh, a video of him talking during the production of this film, and I just, I I mean, I, I'll just be honest, you know, watching it then, I was like, I don't know if this is the right territory for him. Uh, it just seems like, like out-of-touch old man trying to touch on you know, things that are out of the realm of his scope. Uh, But before we get into really kind of my feelings now, uh, a decade later, this movie is a decade old. It's crazy to think about. That blows my mind, honestly. Yeah. uh, But uh, let's, let's read the synopsis for 2007's Diary of the Dead. And uh, this one is by Claudio Carvalho, Carvalho from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And um, if you are a returning listener, a constant listener 
uh, a fellow insomniac, you will know that the Rio de Janeiro, uh, Brazil fucking synopsises are usually pretty fucking lit. <laughs> so, <laughs> that does uh, not surprise me. Yeah, um, so here we go with Claudio Carvalho. <laughs> I, I was trying to like, like phonically fucking put that Spanish last name together, and it just doesn't work. It, it just I'm, I don't speak Spanish, you guys. <laughs> I, I I don't I don't speak Rio de Janeiro. Uh, what do yes, they speak? Portuguese. Oh, Portuguese, dear, yes. Port- Portugalese? Portugalese? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, but he says, While filming a horror movie of Mummy in a forest, <laughs> the students and their professor of the University of Pittsburgh hear on the TV, the news, the, <laughs> the dead are awaking and walking. Ridley and Francine decide to leave the group while Jason heads to the dormitory of his girlfriend, Deborah Monahan. She does not succeed in contacting her family, and they travel in Mary's van to the house of Deborah's parents in Scranton, Pennsylvania. While driving her van, Mary sees a car accident and runs over a highway patrolman and three other zombies trying to escape from them. Later, the religious Mary is depressed, questioning whether the victims were really dead and tries to commit suicide, shooting herself with a pistol. Her friends take her to the hospital when they realize the dead are indeed awaking and walking. And this is they, a summary? And they need to fight to survive while traveling to Deborah's parents' house. That is, uh... <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> you want to hear the anonymous one, too? It's very short. Way yes. shorter than this. A group of young film students run into real-life zombies while filming a horror movie of their town. Of their own. Sorry. I added a T there. I prefer Claudio's. I don't encompass it either. I prefer Claudio's. I think so. I do too. You know, dead awaking and walking. I'm, I'm fucking with it, guy. <laughs> like, with, with the first sentence of this shit is while filming a horror movie of Mummy in a forest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're in for some shit. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as we kind of touched on uh, before we read the synopsis uh, with each film Romero tries to uh, speak about a specific moment you know in in the sense that or a specific uh, story a sub story an allegorical reference to something that's prevalent within uh, society at the time and you know as I had mentioned you know the, the information about the picture had hit MySpace social media in general and I, I've, I mean 
we had had social media for a little while, but I, I still think it was kind of in its infancy. Kind of, yeah. And he, you know, well, watching this... Live journalist stuff, but... But watching this now in hindsight, uh, you know, again, a decade later, he really touched on these thematic elements that are very fucking prevalent right now. Mm-hmm. The The compulsion to document everything you know this is this is before instagram and uh, people taking pictures of their food it seems even more relevant now than it did then yeah it was it was it was almost ahead of its time it's it's crazy and you know because i hadn't seen this one in years and years same i i saw it when it originally uh hit dvd I was living in fucking Fremont, uh, and I had just gotten married. Uh, we were, you know, we were, uh, I watched it with, uh, my wife and my adopted son, and we fucking all, you know, went into it thinking we were gonna get, you know, like a zombie film. And, uh, it, it felt more found footage and that was that was kind of a craze at the time i know but i love found footage i really hate found footage films oh i um, love it it's it's one of my guilty pleasures yeah and i i'm just i'm not a fan of found footage films so i initially I when watching it i just i really just couldn't get into it uh watching it now kind of again in in the wake of everything that's kind of come since it um they they do a really valid job of kind of structurally telling a story i think this is post cloverfield i i I think cloverfield was oh five maybe i think so i think it was but essentially and, and this is something that I thought was really interesting, is that this movie is supposed to take place the same day as the original uh, Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Which, which is very interesting to me, because... I was wondering, some of those uh, news programs and whatnot they had in the background, was that original audio from the... It was original audio from the 68 oh, uh, Romero I film. I thought so. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> when, they're, when they're in with the uh, African-American militia and, you know, they the dude says, you know, turn that TV off because there's the zombie uh, roaming, the one that they use the hydrochloric acid to take out, which was fucking dope. By the way. That was a really awesome kill. Yeah. But uh, that audio was a direct take of the 1968 uh, Night of the Living Dead. Uh, where I was wondering. I thought so. And, and I, I, you know, because I've watched these movies as much as I have, I was able to grab that audio like in my ear, especially because, you know, I started doing this show and having to use these clips for things and that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. So it was just, it was really fucking interesting. And, you know, it also, I don't know if you caught his cameo, 
where he plays the uh, police chief who's doing the press conference. Oh, I don't think I did. Yeah. Uh, Damn it. it. Really fucking cool. Uh, you know, they're, they're they do this thing at the beginning. You know, and, and I'm not a fan of narration. Uh, just like in general, it's it's kind of a thing right, that, I, right. that I don't really like because it it can go one of two ways, and either way it goes, I I'm not happy with. You know, you you can either have you're automatically spoiling um, that this person is going to survive the length of the film, therefore taking a lot of the tension away whenever they're in danger. Okay, or yeah. them speaking after being dead, which also I just really oh. despise. Uh, either one, that's why I just, especially when it's a situation like this, where it, you know, if you're narrating, I really don't like the speaking after dead one. Yeah, I don't like either. I don't. I, I really don't like either, because it, you know, from a writing perspective. It really is kind of a lazy technique. Mm -hmm. Just my personal opinion. And, you know, I just, I'm not, you know, speaking poorly of Romero because he's way more brilliant than I could ever even aspire to be. Uh, however, I'm, and I, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a tricky thing because he's passed on and, you know, you, you don't want to be negative of the dead. However, that is, that was a sticking point for me and it was mm -hmm. a sticking point when i originally saw it and it's and it's still a sticking point to this day i hate narration and um in his That's next song they they also use that that trope and i, I just i really i'm not a fan of it you're, um <laughs> you're allowed to not like it it's okay yeah i i just again i feel bad because you know you don't he's have passed to away. But I, you can I don't... still love Romero and not like every single thing he does, yeah. and not every single aspect of everything he does. And um... there are a few books that I like that I and I actually really like, but I hate first person, and I hate present tense. But they're first person present tense. It's just something you do sometimes, something you deal with. Uh, also, in terms of uh, the the news footage, here's a fun fact that you might not know. Uh, some of the the news audio of people mm -hmm. uh, telling the news, kind of that that background noise that they use, mm -hmm. are are some really fucking fantastic people that you might just have not. I I don't think you would have known that they were. A part of this, but I just I want to point it out. Guillermo del Toro, hmm. Stephen King, ha. Wes Craven, Simon Pegg, and Quentin <laughs> Tarantino. Fabulous! Isn't that fucking amazing? Yes, that's awesome. He he literally had some of the greatest fucking directors, um, you know, legends. Yes. And Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> I was about to say and Stephen King because he doesn't direct movies. He did direct a movie. Maximum I, Overdrive. I know. I said he didn't direct movies very well. Ah, good point. Good point. 
great writer though. And oh, I love him too much. He just oh, his movies are horrible. Yeah. Um. Well, not all of his movies, but he he doesn't really have a lot of say in most of his movies. That's a conversation yeah. for a totally yeah, other. Totally. <laughs> but uh Romero and Stephen King were obviously very close. Um they worked together on Creep Show and they had a very close kind of relationship. And uh when Romero had passed away, Stephen King wrote some very sweet things about George. Um But, you know, uh Simon Pegg, the it's obvious, you know, yeah, he did yeah. Shaun of the Dead. He he also played a zombie in Land of the Dead. Um, really fucking cool. Guillermo del Toro that. is a, uh, like, I, I feel like he's kind of, you know, he, yeah, he won an Academy Award, but I feel like he's kind of slept on it, on how fucking amazing he is. And, and I, I think he's, you know, of the filmmakers out there now doing it, he's like probably the closest to me for a Romero because he always puts some sort of subtext within mm -hmm. everything that he does even things like fucking Hellboy you know what I mean like right, he always right. finds a way to kind of tell a bigger story and you know again he absolutely loves the genre respects you know, the genre respects the directors, um, so uh, very fucking cool, and everybody knows how I feel about Wes Craven. So, yeah, oh, and, and then, of course, Quentin Tarantino. <sighs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, uh, another uh, voice cameo that you get is Tom Savini. And, um, it's just, uh, him, you know, telling people to aim for the head. Very, uh -huh. very fucking cool kind of audio thing. Uh, let's talk about the cast for a bit, because, uh, when I first watched this film, I fucking hated it. And I'm not gonna beat around the bush about it. it a lot of people did. And so I was like, oh, man, he wants to talk about that. I hope we don't have to slam it the whole time because I really like this one. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, it was, it was, you know, because uh, very much like, um, like the Force, not the Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, I had preconceived expectations of what I was going to see when I watched the film. And when it did not live up to those expectations, I just despised it and and i didn't live up or had different expectations it, it i had you know a certain level of expectations uh, that were also not met with land of the dead when i revisited land of the dead i'm sure i was kind to it but i still don't like that film That's i think fair. that it's you know it's the wrong kind of quirky and mm -hmm. It never feels like a horror film. It feels too much like a political statement and doesn't really. No, it was, it was very much a story and not a horror film. Yeah. It felt to me. But, you know, this film, 
of of the three of his uh, second trilogy, this is my favorite. Now, uh, I, and I can say that with some certainty. Uh, you know, I, I really will. I I'm hard pressed to think that you know the next one, which I believe is Survival of the Dead, um, will be able to win me over the way that this one won me over. Uh, you know, on the second go on the on the fucking carousel uh, right I I honestly I put off watching this one uh, you know I knew we were going to be covering it this year I did I put it on the list of things that we were going to cover um, before he had even passed away it was just you know it was kind of like you know with uh, the video nasties theme every year that we do the video nasties theme i like to close with a cannibal film mm-hmm. and so there's just certain things that i like to do whenever i do a certain theme that i enjoy and tradition dead i like to have romero films so you know i like to be able to cover a romero zombie film um, I might pull a cheat after we run out of Romero zombie films and do Creed Show, but uh, <laughs> that looks that sounds fine to me. Yeah, I, I might. I, I'm I'm not gonna lie, just because I I don't want to. You know, anyway, um, but I, I knew that this was coming up, that I was gonna have to watch it again to review it. I put it off and I put it off and I put it off. I didn't watch it. I, I didn't watch it until right before we started walk, uh, doing this review. Like, right before. I, I That's how much I didn't want to see it. And yes. so I went into it with incredibly low expectations. And, it, you know, I watched it broad daylight, you know, early in the day. It, mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have the luxury of watching it at night. And it still really packs a wallet. Uh, and you know they they use the the theme of this you know this being a a documentary style film you know a a mockumentary if you will a faux documentary and really kind of run with that idea in a way that you don't have to do the traditional tropey setup of well, something's going to happen, you can tell, because it, it, it takes all of that formulaic uh, element out of mm-hmm. the equation completely. You know, you're, you're walking through this fucking hospital room, or this hospital. You don't know when something's going to happen. And, I mean, it's still there, but it's, it's so not the main focus. And, you know... Uh, the character Deborah says something to the effect of, you know, I I edited this for him and I spliced in, you know, music, music just here to, and there and you know yeah. try to scare you because I wanna scare you. I want you to understand and not make the same mistakes that we did. And again, it just you know I don't like that idea. Because she, she's saying straight up, right off the bat, that uh, Jason, the guy... She's alive and Jason's not. And Jason is dead. She's alive. 
we made huge mistakes, so we're pretty much doomed. You know, but you still have a chance if you're watching this. And you know, they reference uh, War of the Worlds. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm old enough to remember War of the Worlds, and that was radio and you know on television. You know, this grand scale hoax because, and that was something that really fucking worked. Is early on that society is trying to rationalize this. Oh yeah. Because we've become so jaded that you know we can see something clear as day, and we still refuse to believe that it's actually happening. Mm-hmm. And you know, you you see as seems as really gets, relevant right now, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and again, you, you know, you, you're watching society collapse through a a small screen on your phone mm-hmm. or on your laptop, and you know, it was less phone, more laptop in this. But everything was less phone and more laptop then, though. Yeah, exactly. But nowadays, it would be it would be directly it's, to your phone. It still holds up, though. Yeah. And you know, uh, I was shocked at how much it held up. You know, the center doesn't hold, and everything falls apart. I I, I don't know how that that fucking expression goes, but. Uh, it it really you really see things just collapsing around everyone and even though you know the the roads are you know in cities are going to be overwhelmed with people trying to get away to what they don't know just get away you know it, it takes place in Pittsburgh and they take the rural roads so they're away from all of that so they, even though it's happening around them, they're they're away from all of it. Right. You know, so you don't have to show the scale of what's going on outside of you know what's what's actually going on, which is really fucking interesting. You know, because if you look at Night of the Living Dead, that is again very much like this. In the sense that they're cut off from everything else that's going on outside of them, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it, it almost is going back to that very guerrilla independent style, you know, where we don't have the capabilities to really show you the scale in which this is happening, so we can show you film footage, and a lot of that film footage looked like stuff like Katrina. Look like, you know, riots like the Watts riots and, you know, all of these things that people can immediately associate their mind with that they've mm-hmm. seen on television and we've become desensitized to. And then, you know, that's, that's their whole outlet into what's going on in the world. They're not really, like, they're seeing dead people, but they're not seeing it on a level that somebody in the city is seeing it. Right. Yeah, so it it still allows this element of safety, even though there's danger looming around every corner. It's still giving you this opportunity to kind of breathe and explore, 
you know, the philosophical and fundamental elements of what the end of the world really means. Where, you know, if it were to happen in the city, you wouldn't have time to do that. You'd be just surviving. It would be an action film instead of a horror film. And, you know, it would be World War Z instead of Dawn of the Dead. But, you know, so they they get they get this this fucking mission. You know, in, in essence, it's you know, first the mission is go find Deborah's parents. Go to Deborah's parents. You know, she's gonna just stay there and wait for them to show up. And you know, it's it's fucking Jason's obsession with documenting everything to you know the point where. It, it almost starts to get annoying when people get annoyed by him. Because they know that he's doing it. And, you know, I think that they overdid that. They over they overplayed that hand. Where people were getting was irritated. people off? Yeah. I mean, you, you, you take... You... It eventually actually puts people in danger, though. Yes, no, but, but what I'm saying is... You, if you use that a little more sparingly, when they say something about it, it will make more sense. You know, it it, it will hit a little bit harder. But if you're hitting the same point over and over again, yeah, it's going to bruise a bit, and every time you touch it, it'll be sore. But if you get just three or four really solid hits, it'll hit a lot harder. Okay. Instead of just jabbing over and over just jabbing the same spot uh you know you're you're gonna get the same kind of bruising effect but it'll hit a lot harder if you do it less and you do it harder and that's just that was just an observation that i made it just it felt excessive because it seemed like every scene somebody's getting annoyed by the fact that he's recording everything even though everybody knows that he's recording everything (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, uh, the scene where, uh, the, the, uh, Tracy, I think it was, the actress, the ingenue, who was playing the, the damsel in distress in his film, uh, when, when that whole thing kind of circled back to itself, and they showed the way that it would really look while it's still mirroring, it almost feels like, um, like scream in the sense where it's self-referential but then you know they still fall into the same tropes even though they're making fun of the tropes mm-hmm. um when she's being chased by uh the zombie and you know he's still dressed like a mummy you know what i mean uh, but yeah. he you know he's now able to you know really be a threat but she's still turning and talking to him she's like can you put the fucking camera down and help me that's a point where it works Mm -hmm. you know and maybe one or two other times you use that but you know like when she has to kill her boyfriend that you know somebody saying something about it then when he's you know documenting her shooting her boyfriend it's like do you really need that do we need do do you need that you know, right. that would make more sense, but for them to use it every time, it's just, it's, it's, it gets irritating rather than packing the, 
the punch that he's trying to, you know, pack with that message. Yeah, they're they're also. Ah, uh, see, at the end they try to bring it home how important it was that he did all that. Mm-hmm. And that was part of it. I feel like. I just, I feel like they, like, they just, if they would have done it less, it would have worked better. I understand. And, and that's just, that's the only thing that I, because I understand the necessity for it, but I just really think they could have used it. They're just, I think they were just trying to drive it home even harder. Yeah. And I had the same, uh, belief with, uh, consumerism with Dawn of the Dead that, mm-hmm. you know, you just you're you're hitting that nail too much. You didn't have to hit it that hard. You don't have no. He, yeah. he, it wasn't even that he was hitting it hard. He was just hitting it excessively. If you hit right. it hard three times, the nail will go in. But if you're tapping on it for 45 minutes, it'll eventually get there. But it'll be annoying, and your arm will get sore. <laughs> and you know, so that that was you know the the one thing that I again. I feel like I like I'm some. Who the fuck is this guy saying this about? You know the great George Romero, but it's just it's an observation about the film, and you know it doesn't it in the grand scheme of the film, it doesn't necessarily hurt the film, but it is just an observation that I'm I'm making. Um, some other cameos that I thought were really cool: uh, Boyd Banks, who played a zombie. In Land of the Dead, he was one of the main three zombies um, with Big Daddy. He was the he was the other guy with the kind of like jolly face. He was also in the Dawn of the Dead remake. He was in the film uh, with when they were with the National Guard, uh, which was another thing, another observation that I had made that I don't know if you kind of picked up on. And you know, this was just me personally looking at it um the the black military element gives them things yes right the white military element takes things from them i i did notice that <laughs> i just that's just a random observation that i had made watching the film that i thought i don't know if this is intentional but uh that was something i definitely noticed also, uh, in the hospital scene, Greg Nicotero plays the surgeon zombie, which is very fucking cool. If you know who Greg Nicotero is, Greg Nicotero got his start with George Romero. Um, and uh, the first film he worked on was Day of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, he then went on to, you know, understudy with Savini, obviously until um, doing the makeup effects for Land of the Dead and going on to do the makeup effects for The Walking Dead and now he also is a producer on The Walking Dead and has directed some of the better episodes of The Walking Dead. Um, He's also a producer on Fear the Walking Dead. Just, you know, neither here nor there, but, you know... Still pretty cool. Very fucking cool. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about the film that I don't, that we haven't hit on? Just 
the commentary on the internet age and social media and whatnot. That's about the size of it. Alright, well then, why don't we... I mean, it was really fucking cool the way that Ridley kept his family members. But other than that... Yeah, why don't we get into uh, Reapers for this thing? Where are you landing, Reaper-wise? And for anybody that this is the first episode for you, um, hi, thank you for listening. Zero for the Reaper scale is the absolute lowest. That is nail gun massacre territory. <laughs> and five is the ultimate highest, as high as you can go. Uh, I'll, I'll do it this way because it's May of the Dead. Zero is Day of the Dead bloodline. Five is actual Day of the Dead. Fair. So where are you landing Reaper-wise for Diary of the Dead? Uh, I'm gonna give it maybe a high three, low four, somewhere around there. Yeah, I'm going uh, 4.5. I really right enjoyed it. And uh, again, I, I had this Again, like I'd said, you know, while we were talking about this, I dreaded watching this film because I remember hating it. And watching it now, it just it was able to marinate in in the way that the world is kind of played out. It is clearly, you know, fallen into this really kind of sweet spot, at least to me right now. Um, and my opinion can change in 10 more years, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I could go back to this and not like it as much, but after watching it just now, this is high up there. Uh, it's, it's not day of the deads. It, it's not even, I mean, it's, it's very close to the original trilogy. The original trilogy is kind of Bible to me, you know, yeah. uh, but day of the dead is obviously and I've said this before, Day of the Dead's my favorite Romero zombie film. Uh, second would be Night, and uh, Dawn would be third. And then... if I'm, Fuck it, I'll just rank them all right now. It's Go. Day, Night, Dawn, uh, Diary, Survival, Land. Land is awful. I have not seen Survival in... So I don't even remember what that one is yeah uh, and exactly <laughs> I, um, I don't I, I remember land quite well I, I, I remember how much I, I knew diary land. was the found footage one that nobody liked that is actually pretty damn good I don't remember survival yeah um I I will definitely be getting into that one next year and yeah uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> But, uh, plugs, my lady. Tell people all about the ponies and where they can find you. Uh, they can find me personally at Ranimator, R-H-I-A-N-N-A-M-A-T-O-R. Uh, you can find me and my repackaged ponies on Instagram, uh, Etsy, Facebook, at Repackaged Ponies, on Twitter, at Reponies. And if somebody were to come to you and ask you for a specific... Uh, design for a pony would you be able to accommodate do you think 
Oh my god, yay! Like, say, for example, somebody wanted you to make a zombie pony. You'd be able to do that, right? I can do that several different ways if you want me to. You see, I'm you actually that, planning on... I'm planning on making a uh, Freddy Krueger pony pretty soon. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah! That's fucking that's amazing. <laughs> Jeezed about it. Uh, wow. Yeah, that's... that's uh. Wow, I I did not know that, and now yeah. I'm 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 club. almost done with the uh, the Game of Thrones ponies, so then yeah, I'm gonna do that. Game of Pones. Game of Pones, yes. Yeah, you like that shit? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Game of Pones. I'm telling you, I I, I got your back. You do. You always <laughs> do. I always do. Um. However, you guys, I I know I've been saying this on the show, and I, I'm I'm going to continue saying it because I think it's very important. Are you a filmmaker who's been dying to get your movie in front of an audience, or are you part of a production and want your crew to be recognized for their great work? Be sure to check out the first ever Southeast Michigan Film Festival. The Southeast Michigan Film Festival is now taking submissions from now until August 15th for nothing completely free there are no submission fees and your film doesn't require uh, premiere status like many other festivals shorts documentaries feature length films student productions there's a category for all of them there are even categories for performances cinematography visual effects and more uh, entering is easy just visit filmfreeway.com and search Southeast Michigan Film Festival. From there you can enter all the submission guidelines and instructions on how to enter. That's uh, filmfreeway.com and just search Southeast Michigan Film Festival. Selected films will be shown uh, to festival attendees in November on the big screen in a 1400 seat auditorium in Metro Detroit. Get your film the audience it deserves and recognize your cast and crew by submitting today. That is fucking great news. A 1,400 seat auditorium of people that love films watching your movie. You don't have to spend any money. You just apply. And again, if you need me to read that fucking website to you again, I have no problem doing that. That is freeway.com and you search Southeast Michigan Film Festival. That's fucking cool, you guys. Sounds pretty damn cool. You know, and I had said it before, you know, the, the point of making films is for people to be able to see them. And, you know, this is doing exactly that. This is the dream anybody that's ever fucking wanted to tell a story visually um, you know whatever your video or film or whatever it is you want to tell your story this is the way to do it so definitely give them some fucking love you know also abonpress.com they are the people doing the Lucio Fulci zombie comic books you know if you're into zombies obviously May of the Dead you know, that's a place to fucking check out. And again, that's abonpress.com. E-I-B-O-N 
press, P-R-E-S-S, if you're just horrible at reading, uh, .com. Uh, but if you're horrible at reading, you know, <laughs> at least there's the pretty pictures, and they're fucking vibrant and violent, and, you know, they're the ones that did the Maniac comic. It's fucking cool. They also did a, a crossover with Maniac and New York Ripper, and uh, Sean, he also runs uh, Rotten Cotton, and... He's the inspiration. He recommended this film to me um, last year during May of the Dead, and I just thought it was so fucking great that I had to fucking put it on this year's May of the Dead. And I'm talking, of course, about Let Sleeping Corpses Lie. Uh, that will be our next feature on the May of the Dead theme, so definitely go out of your way to watch that, because we will be very spoiler-heavy uh, come next episode. However, for Reanimator, and for myself again, my name is Chunky. This has been another episode of the Creature Features Podcast on GeeksOfTheIndustry.com, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Listen to someone you trust. Thing. 